Hello and welcome to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage. I'm here to give you a front row seat to the industry's most exciting awards races. Who is in the running? What makes awards-worthy film and television? How can you, listener, win a statue of your own? We're sitting down with actors to get that insider's perspective on these questions and more, and maybe, just maybe, we'll get a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. He said, this is going to be your part, Janny. Mm. This is yours. And I was like, he said, you get to be this woman who wears a fur coat and has a bird on your shoulder and you drink too much and you swear. And I was like, oh my God, she sounds like a hot mess. <laughs> it's no wonder you thought of me. These pretzels are good. <laughs> First time featuring pretzels on the podcast. Yeah, a special guest. Yeah, the <laughs> chewing sounds are really... We uh, Alice and Janney did not do any chewing sounds until towards the very end. No. I, I was afraid of doing the chewing sounds throughout. Yeah, these microphones are very sensitive. Uh-huh. <laughs> At least my stomach's not going to gurgle, hopefully. Right, yeah, that can happen too. Can you believe um, that C.J. Craig was just here. I know, the C.J. Craig. The C.J. Craig of NBC's The West Wing for many years. I had to be so careful not to refer to her as C.J. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she really, she was that person for a long time for a lot of people. Yeah. As she talked about in our interview. Mm. Um, gosh, what a career she's had too, cause, because sure, she's maybe best known for C.J. Craig and for her TV work. She has seven Emmy Awards. Yeah. But... She's been in a ton of films, too, and this this list kind of goes on and on. Like some of my favorite films, like Juno and The Help and The Hours and yeah. Spy. I mean, she, and she's been on Broadway. She was in the musical 9 to 5, which is, like, yeah. such a cute... Like, American Beauty, which I forgot about. American Beauty. She's And she that's a perfect example, too, of one thing that Alice and Jenny does very well, which is take a character that maybe has one or two scenes, maybe even only has one or two lines, mm. And just displays this magnetic force, this magnetic power. Definitely. That makes us have to watch her, whether it's because there's something very intelligent about her character or there's something very wildly funny about her character or tragic. I mean, we talked a little bit about her arc in Masters of Sex and mm. and I, Tanya. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of tragedy and comedy in I, Tanya. Well, her as an, an actor, she she is huge, but she almost slips under the radar in a way because she mm. doesn't she doesn't throw herself out there as as a person but she mm, very much mm-hmm. does do do that in in character you know she yes. you know she fits I, into I, any mold yeah, yeah exactly and sort of embodies whatever that, yeah. that is you know it's like the perfect yes. the perfect sort of application of the craft you know i, right. I feel like i loved hearing the just like little tidbits about the, her process of creating these characters but also like the choices that she makes and the research that she would do. Yeah. We got to talk about Itania in that regard a lot because it's a film where she's playing on paper, I think, a pretty bizarre, goofy maybe even character yeah. who, but she sets out to do exactly what an actor does, which is figure out why does my mm. character behave in this way? Why is she so, why is Lavana, Lavana Harding, who is Tanya Harding's mom in this movie, why is she so horrible? Yeah. How do I humanize her? How do I find exactly. out the reasons why she does everything she does? Even if it's not real, it just helped to her right. to get into that right. mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And she, there's some really interesting um, cigarette work advice. Oh, there it is. Later indeed, in the interview. That is indeed. <laughs> that was a great little. I had kind of forgotten that that was something I've always wondered the Betty Davis thing of like, yeah. I think of Betty Davis as someone who, or Catherine Hepper, or like any number of like mm. amazing actresses who. And actors, maybe, yeah. but actresses who are just so good at making cigarettes look cool. I abhor cigarettes. Yeah, I detest yeah, everything about them. But watching <laughs> someone very cool yeah. smoke a cigarette on camera. I mean, it's playing with smoke, and how is that not cool? That's cool, too. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's just that uh, just air of sophistication. <laughs> well, you, you, you want to be a bad guy in a movie or a bad lady in a movie, mm. you make him a smoker. Exactly. It's shorthand. It is. For baddie. And Alison Janney is just one of those people where you can ask you can you can ask any actor about about something as specific as smoking acting, mm. but you just know that she's going to have an answer for that. Yeah, because she's one and of the very great, best. It was a great answer. Yeah, <laughs> she's one of the very best. We should get to it. I I should work out how to how to pack in all of her many accomplishments and projects into one concise intro. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge. I could just speed <laughs> you up. 
Later, yeah. so you sound like <laughs> you a chipmunk. <laughs> yeah. I'm all, I'm all right with that. Yeah. Uh, well, should we try it? Yeah, let's right. go for it. Let's try it. Alison Janney has a whopping seven Primetime Emmy Awards for her stunning work on the small screen, four as C.J. Craig in the NBC drama The West Wing. She currently stars on the CBS sitcom Mom and the upcoming Tanya Harding biopic I, Tanya from Neon Studios. She is also a two-time Tony Award nominee and two-time SAG Award winner, and the awards will just keep on coming. Here it is, our interview with the one and only Alison Janney. Well, I was joking that we would talk mostly about awards, and I don't know if it's going to be mostly, but I might want to start there because okay. you, um, <laughs> you're no stranger to awards in general, specifically, but is it safe to say specifically for TV? And are you familiar with like the quote-unquote Oscars? I've never been in this race before, right. the Oscars, and it's a, it's a different league. It's one that I'm excited to be part of because mm-hmm. as an actress, you grew up thinking about yeah. the coveted, you know, Oscar. To think that I'm finally part of that conversation, I'm surprised mm. that it's with Itania. Not that I don't love the movie, I just didn't think sure. that my role was going to resonate with people so mm. much. I, I, and I'm really glad that it has, <laughs> and I'm excited to. Um, be looking at a possible nomination is uh, totally. It, it's completely thrilling, and what what I've always wanted, uh, whether or not uh, how much I admitted that to myself or mm. others, is a whole other <laughs> ball game, you know. Right. And is it a marathon? Is it more of a? It's obviously, I guess, it's longer than a quote unquote Emmy campaign. I. It is. When I do the Emmys, I never think I'm doing a campaign. Yeah. I guess maybe it just all of a sudden I realized, oh, yeah, you really – there's stuff that goes into getting an award. You have to put yourself out there, yeah. do a lot of interviews, mm. and um, it is a bit of a campaign. Um, I think that surprised me growing up. I thought people just – you know, people got awards just based on mm. the – which I think it does come down to the work, but there's also a certain amount of – getting your face out there so people remember because there's yeah. a lot of different movies that, that are coming out now and, and you have to right. keep yourself in the forefront of right. pe- people's minds and keep your performance. Uh, I'm just going to glue, I'm just going to like sew a bird to my shoulder and walk around so everyone To remind knows. people of your... <laughs> <laughs> remember, I'm the actress from that movie with the bird on my shoulder. Exactly. <laughs> um, that's so funny. The, the comparison between TV and film, I mean, it seems like this has been a long time coming. And as you say, you didn't think it would be I, Tanya necessarily. I, I didn't, but then I never think. You, you never know. I mean, you were, mm. I wrote this. Uh, I, I, I wrote, I read the script for I, Tanya and thought, oh, this is, and my friend Stephen Rogers, who I went to right. the neighborhood playhouse with here in New York, he wrote yeah. the script. And when I read it, I was like, this is brilliant. This is fantastic. But you never know if things are going to translate uh, yeah. to an audience or how it it's put together. Mm-hmm. Um I think he was really smart in, in hiring Craig Gillespie, who did Lars and the Real Girl, and mm-hmm. and Stephen wrote in this wanted a specific tone for this movie, and he, a lot of it is on the page. But to have someone who really understands that um, uh, the fine line you have to walk in this, which is a telling someone's true story, um, and yet it's horrific. There's a lot of horrific elements, mm-hmm. but it's a tragedy. It's a tragic. Hmm. A tragic comedy, whatever that sure. hybrid is, a tragedy. Um, tra- tra- <laughs> it totally um, is. And and Craig Gillespie just nailed it. Yeah. And, and and all of us having to just nail our parts and be committed to it a hundred percent. I mean, the stakes are really high in this movie for every character. Yeah. I think that's what mm. tends to make it funny when it's my my character's wants and desires and the scenes I'm in juxtaposed to, you know, mm. what Tanya's going through is 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 sometimes, oh my God, how are these people how can they be talking about the same thing? Um mm-hmm. It it comes out as as funny because of that, but not because we're trying to make anything funny, or we're not judging these characters right. at all. We're just showing, telling their story according to Tanya Harding and Jeff Galuli. I mean, these were their. This is their version of events. Yep. Um, and and Stephen Rogers very smartly decided to <laughs> tell it from 
both their points of view mm-hmm. and then add in Lavana, so he didn't mm-hmm. actually have the um, get to meet her. He looked for Lavana Harding, and okay. Tanya didn't know where she was and didn't really care. Oh. Um, so it oh. was mostly um, what you see on the screen is Tanya's version of her mother and Jeff yes. Galuli's version of his, um, you know, his uh, um, uh, mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And then I see. a little artistic license from Stephen Rogers and a little <laughs> Alison Janney thrown uh, in there. <laughs> right. Well, and and it's safe to say you've not met Lavana. No, but no. she resurfaced recently, funnily okay. enough, yeah, in an Inside Edition story. And I was like, oh, my God, she's alive. We, no one knows right. where she was. And wow. she has a completely different name now and and um, well, and had a similar attitude to Lavana saying, oh, that didn't happen. I didn't do that. <laughs> kind of that sort oh, of um Point of view, or that yeah, that that sort of opinion about what Tanya's saying, and it's huh. not too dissimilar from what I what we're doing, we're showing about her character, because she oh. of course believed that she was helping her daughter have a better life than she did, and everything she did was it, towards helping her daughter. Okay, you know, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to peel back some of those layers a little bit. The ends just the end just of the end justifies the means. Uh huh. You know, motto, and that is both tragic and comic. I think, yeah. of course, you would play it as seriously as possible. Like you're saying, super high stakes. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely high stake. Life is gonna fuck you over if yeah. you don't, you know, fuck it over first. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, interesting philosophy. You know, that Tanya, she has. I mean, Lavana just saying not letting her daughter mm. for a moment get soft. That awful scene, but but tra- tragically funny when she kicks her out of her chair when she's coloring. It's almost like yeah. there's there's part oh. resentment of her being happy and because and, mm-hmm. you know Lavana's got to have come from a terrible childhood. She's got to have been abused and yeah. been in an awful situation. Yeah. So here she sees her daughter happily coloring and it's like she says, don't get so comfortable and kicks her out of her chair. Like, because... like, you know, don't ever get comfortable is, is what that scene said to me. Yeah. And, and it wow. was, um, I had to find the the reason why I did these horrible things and, and justify them uh, because she wanted her mm. daughter to have a better life than she did. At least that's what I told myself. That's what I was doing. I see. As Lavana. <laughs> and abuse. I mean, this movie, this is a movie about abuse, I think. Well, it's part of Tanya's story, mm-hmm. you know? And it, as you say, it's cyclical. It's right? cyclical. You inherit it. It's it's it is, and it becomes strangely uh, what's 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 really awful is seeing how ordinary it can look and common. Exactly. It's just not. It's not like we made light of it at all. Mm-hmm. That's what happens, and with violence and family, it becomes just part of everyday life. It's just right. part of what you go through right. every day is in a in a family that that abuses each other and then you carry that onto your relationship and she's with a guy who hits her and yeah. it's like, well my mom hits me. I wish she's used to being hit. She thinks that's normal, which right. is really sad. And yeah. and I think showing it that way, um showing it in an honest, unsugar coated way, people it will resonate and, and yeah. be horrific because of how casual it is. So you're handed this part, and you're looking at all of these, uh, all of these, I think, despicable behaviors yeah, yeah. <laughs> that she's yeah. enacting. And what is your job as an actor with that? My job, first, um, I try to uh, find the why. Why is she behaving like this? What mm. does she want? Mm. Um, and... It became clear to me, especially in that last monologue that I have in the diner with Tanya talking about, you know, the way she brought her up and, you know, she was trying to make a champion out of her, trying to give her a life that that uh, that Lavana never had. And mm. <clears throat> and knowing that to do that, she had to be tough on her and, know, and she knew that her daughter would resent her and hate her for it, but mm-hmm. she didn't care. She wanted her to have... Uh, life and knew that the 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 deck was stacked against her, mm. and that she had to work twice as hard, and and to get in that world of figure skating that 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 demanded that you not only be it should only have been about her skate her talent as a yes. skater she was undeniably one of the best skaters but she didn't fit into um, the <clears throat> the image of what the mm-hmm. figure skating community um, wanted uh, a skater to be when they represented the United States they wanted a skater to be you know pretty and pink and have a right. family and be like have all the, the bows and, and whistles and and Tanya was this just 
girl who wanted to skate to ZZ Top and just didn't fit mm-hmm. into fit into that image. And mm-hmm. so they made it hard for her, and they didn't want her to succeed. And she she succeeded in spite of, even though it's a tragic tragedy, what happened to her. Mm-hmm. She was a champion. She was a champion, and yeah. still to this day is only one of the only female skaters to land a triple axel. She's an athlete, and um, I hope that. I think there's. I think she wants to get back on the ice again, but I don't. I know that she was. Oh. They after, you know, the, the whole incident, she was banned from ever skating again. But right, I'm not, not sure if that means she can't. I think she just can't get paid for it. But but she can I, skate. I think so. Well, gosh, what if this is that an instance of like the power of Hollywood where it changes their some reverses some decision because. It's not that this movie is actually trying to make her look that sympathetic. It's it's a warts and all picture. No, it is, but it does. It definitely, yeah. You, you people will come away with a, a different um, opinion about her because mm-hmm. people remember the story. One that that it was, you know, she was the bad girl, and mm-hmm. and Nancy Kerrigan was the good girl, and that's the way that yeah. the press told the story. It wasn't. You didn't really hear much about the other players involved and and how. No, and, I didn't know any of that. No, I didn't either. You know, what circumstances she she comes from? It's it's yeah. really um, it, it makes you have a little more empathy for her and still juries out about whether she did it or not. But I think people <laughs> will come away understanding her a little bit more. Yeah, well, and it seems like it's I'm, it's one of many movies this season or I guess in recent years that seems to be looking at women in particular and their and just kind of looking at their roles in history, recent history or otherwise, with a different light and just maybe giving them another chance and giving yeah. them a chance to be humanized on screen almost. Yeah. Yes. I just I, came from Molly's Game. Oh, I haven't seen the, that. I can't wait to see yes, that. from your friend Aaron Sorkin. Aaron and Jessica too. And Jessica, Yeah. Um, which is very similar. It's actually, it's also Olympic winter sports and it's also a woman who's very much had the decks stacked against her and very much misunderstood. That's true. I can't. Um, I forgot that she was an Olympic skier, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see see that movie. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, they're they're. I, I like that they're women who rose up in spite of their circumstances and right. became champions, even though in the end Tanya was stripped of. They can't take away the fact that she did what she did. Her talent, her yes. you know, her skating ability that will always be there. But hmm. all the other. Tragic circumstances of her, the tarnished reputation. Tarnished reputation. That. People love that, and in America and everywhere, though, to tear down their heroes or see people fall from. Mm. I think they yeah. do. Yeah, they love to build you up, and then they also love to see you take a tumble. Yeah, we love to see the tumble. We also love the. We sometimes can latch onto the forgiveness narrative. Yes, that too. There's that part of it too. I guess it's the you know underdog trying to sort of uh, achieve something and then achieving the heights and then falling from grace and then forgiveness and I yeah. Don't know where the well, and this movie just brings that to the forefront because she even I think she accuses us, the audience, of being her abusers at one point. Yeah, she She's does. Really clever, is it? Yeah. Yeah. That you believe the worst in me too. You. Yeah. You, and I'm sitting there going, well, all I knew about this case was that in my head, she bashed Nancy's yes. knee. She didn't even, people think she physically did it. I really it. did. I kind of think yeah. I thought that, yeah. There was even some version, some part of it, where Nancy Kerrigan was was uh, part of the, of the, the plot. plot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that part got taken out of the movie, but there was a oh. talk of, there were all these different theories about sure. what really happened. It's such you a know. bizarre story, too. It is. So you mentioned Stephen Rogers. What... Mm-hmm. Um, he told backstage, I believe, that he wrote the part for you, and you guys go way back. Yeah, we we started acting together back in the '80s, and here in New York. Here in New York, mm-hmm. that's where we first met, and we've been friends ever since. We both. Um, he went out to Hollywood a little before I did, um, and he was acting, and then he just all of a sudden he kept getting cast in the same part in, oh. the, in the in the foreigner that play he kept getting cast in that play oh like, like literally the same part yes the same oh. part and he just got tired of playing that part How so, weird. so he started writing and he you know his first script was hope floats uh-huh. um and he he's written parts every time he's always said that he has um I've been amused for him, and he's always <laughs> written roles for me in everything he's ever written, and I've 
I've never, you've never gotten cast them. in them for right. one reason or another. But it was our little joke that, you know, the, the part written for Alice and Janney will be played by this time, you know, da 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 insert else. actress's wow. name. So <laughs> this script, I knew he was going to write a movie about Tanya Harding, and that excited me because I used to be a figure skater myself. Yes. And um, I had dreams of going to the Olympics. It was kind of my first childhood dream before having a dream of being an actor. Mm. I thought, I want to be an Olympic skater, and um, I um, was not that was not that good. I was very graceful, but it's an acrobatic sport, and I'm a really tall woman, and it's mm. just not— It's the same way gymnasts can't be. You can, yeah, I can't tall. be. I couldn't be a gymnast. and be. It just wasn't the right sport for me, so it worked out the way it was supposed to. But So when I heard he was writing this movie about Tanya Harding, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, yeah. I can't wait. I knew that he was going to go to um, Seattle and— um, and and meet her and interview mm. her and oh. and and meet Jeff Galuli and wow um, and so he kept telling me uh, you know sh- sharing little things he had heard and and he was starting to write her mother Lavana and he said this is going to be your part Janie mm. this is yours and I was like he said you get to and he said you get to be this this woman who wears a fur coat and has a bird on your shoulder and you drink too much and you swear and I was like oh my god she sounds like a hot mess <laughs> it's no wonder you thought of me for this role you know perfect part for me I love women no. who are complicated and messy and, uh-huh. and this is probably like one Bonnie. of the most complicated like Bonnie yeah mm-hmm. but this is one of the most complicated to get into her psyche and be able to to do the kind of things and say this physically and verbally so abusive and mm. And yet, have some give her some humanity and show mm. that she just she was trying to do the best she could. Yeah, do you have fun playing a character like that? Oh yeah. Okay. It's, it's not... well it was, as long as the actor like Margot was so much fun to work with, and uh-huh. she was really um, uh, game and fearless when it came to jumping into a scene and having to be in the middle of a heated argument and yeah. just start me start throwing stuff at her. And I was like, I don't want to hit. She said, just throw it. I'll duck, duck. You know, just, <sighs> she was just, she, I liked how she wanted to jump in. And, cool. and, and, and it was hard sometimes. Sometimes I don't trust myself to be able to go from a, you know, from a one and jump into a scene. You're supposed to be at a 60. And I'm like, just sitting here and it's like all of a sudden I got to be screaming and yelling and, mm. and, and you just start trusting that you're going to be able to do it. And, and with Margot, it was really fun. Then, but, but with McKenna Grace, the young girl who played Tanya, as you, mm-hmm. you know, she's. And I was so afraid of hitting yeah. her with the hairbrush, and she was so cute. She said, "She said, Miss Allison, <laughs> I know this is just a role. It's not who you really are. And oh. I know you're such a nice person, and you can hit me harder because they put a lot of padding on my shoulder. So <laughs> hit me harder because it'll make wow. it look better." And I was like, "All right." And I was like. <laughs> Uh, the action, and I would start wow. hitting her, and then having to kick her out of the chair. Yeah. She loved, she loved doing that stunt. <laughs> so it made it fun for me. You know, wow. I know it's a terrible moment to watch a mother do to her daughter, but right. the filming of it was fun because McKenna enjoyed being kicked out of the chair, and and I was just, just. <laughs> doing it, knowing that my reason was I didn't want her to get soft and I didn't want her to think anything was easy. It was like, gave wow. me the reason to do it. Like, I totally, I know I'm doing, my objective was, a good, I had a good reason for what I did. Yeah. Gosh, she's brutal. <laughs> oh, I know. That's all like coming back to me now. Um, I want to ask about the distinction between a supporting arc and a lead arc, especially because you have Emmys for the same role in the West Wing, as both lead and supporting, which feels a little arbitrary, almost. And a movie like this, where Lavana is not, she's very much supporting. It's a smallish role, you could even say. It's not a small role in the way that you play her, and it's not small in the sense that we remember every moment of it. Yeah. But I've been asking people about how to set up an arc for a character when you have far fewer pages to do that in, in a script. Um. Well, I do it the same way as any large role, I guess. Uh You do take what you have and make it yours and make it make sense and Mm -hmm. make it fit into the story. Um, No matter who I'm playing or how big my part is, it's always that thing, this is a movie about a woman named Lavana. Like, you tell the story from your character's point of view. Uh, And that's what the whole movie is about. It's Mm -hmm. about my character. It's not about her character. I just get and tell my story. Cool. Um, I also, um, I feel like 
every in terms of supporting and lead i think everybody is supporting actor i think everyone should be a supporting actor because ah, cool. that's the definition of what acting is is supporting you have to be supportive of your scene partner you have to be supportive yeah. support the story support the the narrative support the the the, the scene and what I, I think that is the true definition of actor you you you're there to support or su- be supported, whichever, mm. and to know when to step out, when to step back, when cool. to, you know, it's a team sport. That's my thing. I've always said it's it's yeah. um, about working together and it's a, it's collaborative. And um, um, so, uh, yeah, sometimes it does seem, I mean, in this situation, it it is a supporting role um, more than... Um, and yet, Lavana wouldn't say that. Lavana thinks uh, the movie is hers. It's hers. Yeah, that's my favorite line. You know, well, my storyline's disappearing. What the fuck? <laughs> I love saying that. Like that. The biggest laugh in the movie. I it's think. so funny. Yeah, because that's how I've told someone. It's how I feel in most movie roles that I do. Uh huh. Like, <laughs> Where the hell is my storyline? You Go get to on. finally say it. I get out to loud. say it out loud. It's such <laughs> yeah. a great moment that Stephen wrote. That's I love things like that in the movie. They're so unexpected for a, you know, supposedly a biopic, but it's so not. Sure. Just shatters what you think of a biopic being. Oh it's yeah, it's a movie about truth itself. As yes. Much as, yeah. yeah. And in an interesting time to have a movie be about truth itself, as truth is such. A yes. malleable thing right now, and in a very unmooring time for us in America and everywhere, to feel like who, what is truth anymore? Who says? Yeah. I mean, is there any ultimate? I know this is a bottle of water in front of me. That's mm-hmm. I, I know that's true, but and those those great commercials now that Apple's doing with you know some people may tell you this is a banana, but it's an you know just everyone uh-huh. is is questioning questioning truth, and <laughs> some people the lengths that some people go to to convince you that something you know is real is not real or not true it's crazy making yeah it's the gaslighting of america by so many ways it really Um, is yeah well it's also just an interesting time coinciding with that is this time in hollywood which i don't know how much we want to get into it but this is a very interesting year or moment for hollywood and as you mentioned this is your first go around with the quote-unquote oscar race Mm -hmm. And I do get, really get the sense that it's just different from any other year um, for women and for men as well. Men as well, yeah. Um, I didn't used to think that men had to suffer the the abuses of hmm. um, power in a sexual way, but that was sort of yeah. naive of me to think that. I just didn't. I always knew about the casting couch growing up, but hmm. but I never had to deal with it. Yeah. Thank God, never. No, and I, I. You know, I I don't know why. Maybe I just I, I think I got was had achieved success a little later in life, so I was never in a position where anyone would want to or could abuse mm. me for any, like I was never up for any. I don't know. I never. I mean, I feel very grateful and lucky that I never mm. had to deal with it. But um, but it's time that that changes, and I think mm-hmm. as we slowly. Um, Women and men being paid the same, just that conversation, yes. that oh. that will change things. I think this is all part of that conversation of being Absolutely. Pe- women and men being on the same playing field, being women having the same amount of respect. and, and, and Right. Because it's all about the power dynamics. If you equalize yeah. that, at least in Yes, thank you. That's exact. Thank you for saying that the way I wanted to say it, saying it. To equalize <laughs> Have you seen that. Battle of the Sexes as well? I haven't. Oh, okay. I want to see that. You're, um, grew up. you're the help co-stars are everywhere. I know. I, I just did a, a discussion with Jessica and Emma know. and Mary J. Blige who did the music, one of the, the oh, cool. songs oh, for yeah. the help. So we've all been sort of every year though, each other. Every year you guys are all part of this conversation. Um, I've been joking that this podcast is just going to be the help podcast <laughs> <laughs> get everybody on. Thanks Tate Taylor and Catherine Stockett. Yeah. Oh, God. Catherine Stockett's next novel is going to be coming out Oh yeah! Any time now, I cannot wait for that. Are you already priming yourself for a role she in better that movie? have a part for me in that. <laughs> Damn it! That's so great. Yeah. You've just been in some of the some of the best. My favorite, my favorite films. Just like really, what, what? whipping up this list of like I had forgotten that you were in Finding Nemo, for example. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, that's the longest red light or shortest red light. I can't remember what my line was at the end of that. Starfish. You played a starfish. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cute. Peach. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to go back to the beginning too because your 
You grew up in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Your mom was an actress. Mm-hmm. She okay. she went to the America American Academy of Dramatic Arts here in New York City. Uh-huh. Um, after she went to Bennington College in Vermont, she went to a two year college there, and she came here. And she did a lot of summer stock. Um, she was roommates at one point with uh, Eileen Brennan and Rue McClanahan. Mm-hmm. She oh. did plays with Tony LoBianco and Tallulah Bankhead, and mm-hmm. and you know she was. She had review. She had one review, which I love seeing. That she was she was um, complimented on her beautiful legs. My mother oh. had great legs. She was a dancer, um, and then she met my father, who worked at Compton Advertising here in New York as a pop copywriter. And they went out on a blind date, and then oh. they soon, you know, they moved um, to Ohio. Um, no, they moved to. They met here, and then he went to. Harvard Business School, which is where I was born in Boston, and then okay. and then we moved to Ohio to Dayton and Cincinnati. But the acting, so was that inspired by your mother? A little bit. I think when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, I didn't really. You look to your parents to like, yeah. what did they do? You mm-hmm. know, I, I had no idea. I did plays in um, in high school, oh, okay. definitely. Um, you know, my first role, I was cast as Noah Claypool and Oliver, the Undertaker's son. Oh, <laughs> my okay. My first role. It's a great first role. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, and I think just knowing that my mother was an actress is what mm. steered me in that direction. And we'd go to Chicago to go to the museums, and it just happened to be, what I'm sure my mother planned it this way, to go see Eileen, who was doing a play in Chicago. So I got to stay up mm. late and see her. And cool. I, I just the idea started there, and then going to Kenyon College in, in Gambier, Ohio, and they had a great, uh, beautiful new theater they built there the year I came. And Paul Newman, who went to Kenyon College, came back to direct the first play oh. in the brand new theater. Oh, wow. And I got to meet him and 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 wow. Joanne Woodward, and they became mentors of mine. And 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 they suggested oh I come to the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York. So I, I they I sort of were responsible for me ultimately choosing acting as. Um, as a possible career, mm-hmm. I was terrified to to say that because I thought, like, oh God, I'll be a terrible. So many actors are having to wait, and I waited tables some when I first got here, and uh-huh. I was a terrible waitress. So, um, <laughs> I was a really, yeah. And it took a while, you know. I moved here and I went to the Playhouse eighty two, eighty four, eighty four, and my, you know, I think I did Big Night in um, maybe ninety. Six or ninety-seven, oh. or you know, so so over ten, twelve years, I was here sure. before anything perseverance happened. Perseverance, yeah. and you know, I tried to think of what else I could do, but there wasn't. You I, kept coming up with just acting. Acting. I, I did aptitude tests at the Johnson O'Connor Institute, uh-huh. and they told me I'd make an ex- excellent systems analyst. <clears throat> oh. It's not what I was. Uh, yeah, no, I felt. I feel like they all were sitting around going, "What are we going to tell her? She's nothing. She. What are we going to say? She's systems analyst." You know? <laughs> so I now say that that's what I apply to my acting. I'm kind of a systems analyst when it sure. comes to a role. I look at a part and I have to analyze it and figure out what makes it work and how yes. will it fit into this system, into this play. You know, <laughs> very cool. <laughs> so the aptitude test is correct. Yes, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. Did you use backstage? Were you familiar with? Of with course, backstage? I did. Oh, I had did. the newspaper. Oh, oh my God, yes! I'd circle things in the back that I was right for, yes. and okay. and you know, t- oh my God, yes! That was what I, I grew up on with backstage magazine um, newspaper. It was the first, and I came out. It came out every week, or it was weekly, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. I think it always came mm-hmm. out on Thursdays. So it comes out on Thursday mm-hmm. now, but yeah. Um, and then how? What was the next big step? You were on a 1940s black and white faux comedy. It was yeah. your first TV show, which I have never heard of, but I desperately need to see oh now. Oh my God, you have to Google to see Morton and Hayes. Morton and Hayes. That came about. Why did I go? I was out. I'm, I didn't move out to LA, but I was definitely out there with a boyfriend who. Hmm. Um, and I, I auditioned for that. Um, for this series that Rob Reiner and Christopher Guest were doing. Um, I don't... Yeah, I think I did. Spinal Tap is one of my favorite movies of mm-hmm. all time, so I was more than a little nervous going in... To Christopher Guest, yeah. To, to audition for them. But, um, yeah, I... Um, and Bob Amaral and Kevin Pollack were in that. Kevin Pollack later played my 
my um, my love interest on Mom, oh, cool. uh, Bonnie's ex boyfriend, oh, who, who cool. um, and father of Anna Ferris's character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just trying to. I wish I could remember Mark, the casting director, Mark Hirschfeld. I think I'm trying to think if that's right. Anyway, um, but was that the first big on screen? Yeah, I did. No I had done a role. Break. I had done a little part on the Cosby Show back oh. in the day from yeah. New York, where they filmed out at Silver Cup, I think, or whatever yeah. it was that show. And, and not, um, and I had a small little part of a janitor or something on that. But oh. I, you know that <clears throat> I'm so bad when it comes to the cr- cr- chronology of events in right. my life. Well, I, so swear, I can't remember, but sure. I know that was really early on the. Um, the Morton and Hayes, yeah, and it, it was sort of cool. the lost episodes of a la the the honeymooners kind of the the, uh-huh. the lost episodes of Morton and Hayes, this famous comedy duo, and and they've unearthed them okay. under a you know some parking lot that was dug up and they found them and so okay. that was how it was built and and it was um, unfortunately it was on CBS and unfortunately they it was done in black and white so yeah. most people just didn't like what's wrong with They're the not TV gonna, yeah. you know they didn't want to they didn't want it That's so still not a thing. they only no. aired like two or three of them. And they no. Pulled. I think we filmed six or seven, um, and I loved it yeah. to work with those com- those my comedy heroes. Yeah. It was pretty cool, cool to get to do that, and 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 I'm very still pretty proud of um, some of the comedy. So you must Google that and, absolutely and look for for that. <laughs> Amazing, but was that then? Did that open doors to other other bigger gigs or that? How did the West Wing come about? Well, that. <laughs> Okay, so um, this is how that came about. Nikki Silver, one of my favorite playwrights mm-hmm. and human beings, wrote a play called Fat Men in Skirts mm-hmm. that I did, and I don't remember what year. You're going to have to figure I just you have to <laughs> Google that. Uh-huh. Um, I did that at Naked with the Naked Angels Theater Company. Yes. Um, Joe Mantello well. directed it. Oh, cool. Uh, Stanley Tucci was in it with me and well, Marissa Tomei. It was oh. right after Marissa had won her Oscar. Wow. Okay, so that was when we can go figure that out. Um, so that was the mark. <laughs> I remember because um, wow. I remember that. And um, and uh, Matt McGrath. And it was a play of the four of us, and it was it was one of my favorite theater experiences. It was just a wild cool. play. And... and um, a lot of fancy people came to see it. We only did like eight performances, but one of those fancy oh. people's uh, people um, was named Mike Nichols. Yes, Mike Nichols, <laughs> who wrote me the loveliest letter after he saw my performance oh, in cool. that, which I still have framed in my office. He um, he uh, invited me to be part of Primary Colors. Uh huh. Primary Colors and the pratfall I got to do in Primary Colors, which was because I did. Noises off in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay, cool. And learned how to fall. Watched Bill Bowers f- learn how to fall down the stairs, stairs. by the um, Rick Sordale, the fight choreographer, taught him how to fall down the stairs, and I watched because I was fascinated. Oh, cool. So Somebody I remember that, that. Stair fall as the how to how to learn farce. Yeah. I remembered that fall. That's cool. And so when Mike Nichols asks me right five minutes before we shoot, oh, can you fall down these stairs? Oh. I was like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I think I can actually. I was like, I think I can. Whoa. I can, and I was like so grateful that I all those years ago I had been glued to this fight choreographer yeah. working with Bill Bauer, watching them uh, create this fall. So I got to do that, and I know Aaron Sorkin is a huge fan of Mike Nichols mm-hmm. and politics, and had you know yeah. was creating the West Wing, um, and uh, he saw that, and I know that's why I was brought in for it. Mm-hmm. But I had to audition for it. And oh, okay. There were a lot of other. Wonderful actresses I saw in that room when I was auditioning. Oh. So I was quite sure after each audition that that was going to be the last. I was like, well, sure. they didn't like me. <sighs> so moving on. Like I, Whoa, and yeah. then I kept getting called back in, and um, that surprised me that I got it. But I know that's how come. And then like, I did a play, um, Alan Ball's play, Five Women Wearing the Same Dress with Manhattan Class Company with um, – uh, Bernie Telsey and Robert Lupone and Will Candler's company oh, um, down on, yeah. uh, when they had their theater on 17th or 18th MCC. Street, yeah. MCC. Um, I did that play, and then Alan Ball wanted me to be part of American Beauty. So oh, cool. I told Sam Mendes, who directed oh, American cool. Beauty, I want you to see Allison Janney for this part. And then I got that. So everything good Amazing. in my life came from the, the theater, yeah. um, my work in the theater and Summerstock. And, you know, mm. um, I was a... Uh, 
It was uh, where all roads led back to the theater. Hmm. And then the West Wing, I assume, what was the impact of that? What effect has that had on your career? Well, that was, it had a huge impact on my personal life and my relationships with my family and friends who almost all disowned me during <gasps> that period because I, really yeah because I was it was like 18 hour days I was working oh you, I don't think cell phones were really a thing back no. then when I was started to do it so I I never returned people's phone calls I was I sort of dropped off the face of the earth wow. I think my older brother still will never forgive me for that um but I, I was. It was hard to maintain friendships, and yeah. and I fell in love with my cast. Loved it so much. I was so grateful for the experience. But, you know, I'm I'm exaggerating only slightly. There were some. Obviously, I have some of my dear friends who have forgiven me, and I see them. But they yeah. they have to. No one understands it unless you're in the middle no. of something like that. And and to have an experience like that that just overwhelmed me. Mm. The, the the amount of dialogue I had to learn and right. be verbatim with every single. You had and a lot of words. Huge press briefing, and not to mention yeah. the fact I'm I'm not someone who knows a lot about politics, so I had to like read read these books and press secretaries. Sure. To, I just sort of immerse myself. TV, you're pumping and, these episodes out. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you go home after a you know eighteen hour day, and you yeah. had to learn lines for the next day. So I didn't really Unreal. have time to ta- talk to anybody. Yeah. So for years, for eight, so, yeah, and I missed years? a lot of family. Um, yeah. Functions, a lot of weddings, funerals, missed, you know, there's nothing in life comes without compromise or sacrifice. And and I still, it was was an incredible um, gift that that show for me i'm so proud of not uh, just being part of that that beautiful show but also b- embodying a character that's so so loved beloved and 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 revered and 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 hmm. changed a lot of young girl or inspired a lot of young yes. girls to go into public service that was an extraordinary yeah. side effect of of doing this this role that i had never never thought that would happen no, and as a result certainly. of uh, an acting uh, as a character that I portrayed and that yeah. feels so great to have people um, come up and tell me how important that character Absolutely. is to them and how it inspired them to to change careers or go into public service or do it's, it's really kind of but wonderful. as you say you have to make the sacrifice it's part of being I think specifically network TV but also an actor in general sometimes you take on a gig that does not allow you to have a lot of balance in other aspects of your life. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Um, is the same true for mom? I assume it's a little no, easier. No, mom is, um, it has different challenges, but yeah. it's the most civilized schedule an actor can have oh, cool. in okay. the world. It is the the best schedule. I can't even gush about it enough. It's uh-huh. so brilliant. Um, two weeks on, one week off. Oh, Hello? wow. Well, and, but are you filming now? No. Yes. Oh. I'm filming <gasps> as we speak. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking right of that. I'm cleaning my oven as we speak. <laughs> um, we are on um, Thanksgiving break right now. Oh, okay. Which is why I'm here. But yes. um, it's it's just the best. And, you know, Monday through Friday when we are shooting, Monday through Wednesday is like literally 9 to 2. Okay. 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Thursdays, maybe 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And Fridays, like 12 noon to 8 or 9 p.m. And that's it. I see. It's and it's not nice. 80 pages of dialogue for one hour-long episode. No, you do have to. <laughs> the line learning does get, you get a little, you know, I get lazy and I don't, I wait till the last minute. And so it makes it really yeah. challenging. And then also while you're filming in front of the live audience, the writers do a lot of floor pitches where yes. if a line doesn't get a laugh that they want, then they rewrite it. They come Amazing. in with new 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 lines for you, and you got to memorize it right there. And, and then you know, have the wittiest, funniest delivery. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. But I like that challenge. It's, it's a fun yeah. game for me. I, I love it. And you get to pull out all your physical comedy in that I show. I do. I'm so glad they're, they write to that for me to just— yeah. Slide down banisters, jump over couches, whatever. I, I'll throw myself into it. I like that. How do you do it? How are you so? How are you so funny? <laughs> something I always want to ask funny people. I don't. I, don't, I can't pick it apart because then it. I know. I don't you know. know. I think it's uh, my mother, hmm. my aunt Eloise. Uh, I had a lot of funny women in my life. My mother, and not th- not funny. They weren't funny joke tellers. They're just their behavior yeah. was funny. Yeah, it made cool. me laugh. The things that that's what makes me laugh. Um, uh, about the, the characters I play, I never, 
I like to make know that they're fine. I don't try to be funny. I just know that in order to make it funny, I have to be committed 100% to what mm-hmm. I'm doing, and mm-hmm. that will be funny. Um, but mm. but actually trying to find that is the, the physical comedy, yeah. Like I know if I'm a mom and I've got to get out a window and I'm wearing a skirt, I'm going to pick my skirt up over my hips. You know, I'm going right. to show my underwear <laughs> yeah. because that will be funnier than, <laughs> right. than or I'm going to rent the skirt. I'm going to try, see. you know. Yeah. Um, I will always make a bold or the funny physical choice. If I have to get from point A to point B, if I get to jump over a couch to get there, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, I will, I'm very brave that way. And I love that I'm, I'm very physical. I'm very tall. I did a lot of ballet and, and dance yeah. and ice hockey and, and, and the skating and field hockey and very athletic. So I think that that's that why and I've just got long arms and legs and everything yeah. so just throw myself into effect. it years of watching Carol Burnett show, watching those oh my, my god that was my cool. that was that was church to me is watching yeah. Carol Burnett show and um, just just idolizing them and their choices and they're just I love Carol Burnett <laughs> <laughs> and on a show like that or, or I guess in general whenever you're doing physical comedy are you ever told to rein it in or are you ever told to make it bigger? <laughs> <laughs> they usually tell me to take it down a notch. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's the sign that you're doing it right, right? Well, yeah. I yeah. I will always go bigger. If I get yeah. a note, Joe Montello, oh, my God, he loves to laugh at me. He gives me a little note, like, could you just add a little more to this? And I go to, to you know, to 11. Yeah, to 11. To 11. And he's like, just starts laughing. Janny, bring it back. Nine and nine. But, but I, <laughs> I will always go Big, yeah, and cool. then I can modify it. But better to go big, and hmm. you know, maybe, maybe, you know, and I can go bigger too. Perhaps you could go to twelve. <laughs> you go to twelve. Well, so is that? But is it the same for for drama? For like a scene, like in Masters of Sex, is it the same idea of like I'm gonna make a? Is it a, a factor of like risk? I'm gonna take a bigger risk with this moment. Well, it depends on what. See, and that was a very quiet role for me. Yeah. I like to, um, that was a more innocent and quiet, searching, sad role um, that that I, no, I didn't go big with that. I no. just just listened and knew that I was mm. so, this woman was so trying to figure out why she felt inadequate, so inadequate and so unhappy mm. and so like she wasn't enough for her husband. She just didn't understand and mm. listening to her girlfriends talk about their sex lives and just listening and being be able to play those scenes with no words, just listening yeah, and feeling cool. the inner, like uh, how I don't have, that's not what I'm having experience. You know, that was um, fun to do too though in that way because I like being, um, that character was amazing character to play and then finding this young love with you know Teddy Sears yeah. um and discovering that, that awakening that awakening was so lovely and delicate mm. to play but a much more yeah very very different kind of role sure. which I, I love as well how much of it is is about listening For, in, in acting in general yeah. or well, that's my always been my acting is yeah. listening I and mean, that was the big thing i learned at the neighborhood playhouse is um is uh, is is to listen. Yeah, that, that's how you mm. react truthfully mm-hmm. under the imaginary circumstances. Mm. Is to listen, listen, and answer. Mm. And that when I remember that and don't, I'm not in my head. It's such a great way to act, because then things mm. really happen to you in the moment. Mm-hmm. That's what the bird did to me for in Itania. Okay. It, it didn't let me think. Like I just was trying to tell my story, and this bird is there poking at me and trying to you know, distract me. And about it, this. it was like it's it, a scene partner. It was a great one of my f- favorite animals um, um, scene partners ever. <laughs> the best. He kind of did a lot for me. My performance, I think, too. Just just the, made me a little pissed off. Yeah. And trying to tell my story, you know, and a couple of times I had to tell him to shut up and in Lebanon. But it says fashion. so much about the character that yeah. that she has a bird on her shoulder and like why and like. And I said it was the one uh, improv that, that Stephen loved me saying that this is my you know I introduced him as my fifth husband. Oh, right. Um, the the you know still nagging at me you know right earlier, but I can handle him and. Is that also like does the fit? How much does the outside in approach work of like the physical transformation for someone like Lavana? 
the furs and the hair oh my and the God. glasses. That whole look is so the divine. Look. Like when you look at yourself in the mirror, when you look like that, like what happens? Well, see, I have a I have a hard time watching myself on screen because I don't. I'm okay. really I'm a harsh critic of my face and and its aging things, and as all <laughs> most people are. But sure. to go through the three hours of of makeup um, and hair for Lavana. Yeah. when I saw that oh. final product, I just fell in love with her. I loved looking at my face yeah. like that. And it was so far removed from me and where I am, it was ah. liberating for me. Mm. And I I thought the, mm. the, the costumes and the set, the production design and the set decoration were so spot on and beautiful. I yeah. I couldn't wait to sit in on that couch and tell Lavana's story. Mm. And with that bird and the whole image, I saw the picture. Someone took a picture off the video at the video village and showed it to me. Mm. And I thought, this looks like a, a Diane Arbus photo. This looks this just <laughs> I just was so honored and thrilled to be part of all that. And that all informed of course. my character so much. Also it let let me like I didn't have to worry about it. Any and that was all there. I didn't have to yeah. you know, I just I just had to tell my story. Yeah. And like all those this are, would speak for itself. Yeah. You're talking um, about the um these uh living in imaginary circumstances, some some of those circumstances are also the look, are also yeah. like the your actual yeah, appearance. and the and the um, the uh, oxygen tank thing came around mm. because I the, the the bird lady wouldn't let us smoke around the bird, and so I asked the prop, um, wonderful prop guy if that he had any uh, one of those oxygen tank and and oh. breathing things, and he said, oh my, I think I do, I do, and I oh said, go God. get it. And <laughs> it was like five minutes before we shot we, that came together, that part of it. That was your idea, and that was my idea because I. But, well, it makes sense that she would have emphysema after smoking through, yeah. through every scene. Yeah. Um, and, and we saved the bird's life, and uh, right. we'll, we'll see if I, <laughs> you know, saved my life. But. It's so interesting. The um, the idea of, like, putting on a mask almost liberates you or, like, allows you to be more... My God, don't you so know in Halloween when you go out and you have a yeah. mask on, you feel... I felt like a superhero. I never... I went once when as the Invisible Man... Oh, to Halloween and and um, you know, with the bandages around my um, my head and glasses, and it was it was so cool to go <laughs> as compl- uh, to a party and have no one know who I was. That's really was cool. So bra- I felt yeah. so brave and yeah. confident. Yeah. yeah. So I felt that way with Lavana's mask, like brave and hiding. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I have always wanted to ask this question, but never knew that I wanted to ask this question until this moment. Cigarette acting. Yeah. How? How? Your cigarette acting in this movie is oh, so hilarious oh and amazing. You're so sweet. <laughs> You're looking like, oh, God, I had to smoke so many cigarettes. I did. And I <laughs> and made the mistake of picking. I didn't think, um, and I had quit smoking oh. and then had sort of picked it up again and then quit. It's just been one of those awful habits. That, sure. That, um, and I've, I've quit again this time. For good, uh-huh. <laughs> but, after that role, but after that role, yeah, I didn't mm. want to ever see another cigarette. But I picked the those long brown cigarettes that were like those more cigarettes back in the day uh-huh. in the seventies, and because I thought that seemed like Lavana would smoke a, something that looked more like a cigar than a cigarette. I just felt sure. like it was a good choice. The color, I like the color of the cigarettes, and so I did cool. the first scene. I had to go right into it, and I needed to pick one right before. It was like six in the morning, and I was on that ice skating rink smoking that thing. And uh. they were like, "Come on, take a big." You know, they wanted the, for the shot for me to do an exhale, so I had to keep inhaling. And I promptly went to the bathroom and had to throw up. Oh, um, but but um, and then afterwards, I said to the prop guy, "Can we get the herbal version of this?" And he said, "Oh, that's the only one that doesn't have the herbal Smoke. version, the brown ones." Oh, and I, I was see. like, "Are you kidding me?" So I knew that. That was my choice for her, and so I had to smoke those in every scene. Um, I would off camera. I would try to do one of those vape things, so I would just have to smoke would be evident, but so I didn't have to smoke the cigarette. Oh, okay, but but um, there's a funny story about this about cigarette smoking and bird acting with birds, or <laughs> and, and you know when I first had to smoke in some project, I can't remember, but someone said the way to look cool smoking is to never look at the cigarette. You just never look oh, at okay. it when, uh-huh. you, when you're taking it out of the pack, whenever you just don't look at it. So I thought, well, I'm going to apply that to the bird, too. Maybe that'll look like we have oh, a relationship okay. where I don't I don't have to look at him because I know he's there and he's always on my shoulder and right. I'm not going to look at him, even though birds kind of, you know, freaked me out Stand a little bit. I oh, okay. I, not, I'm an animal lover, but I've never had a bird or worked no. with them. So they're kind of like, oh, please. I was like, I worked with turkeys on the West Wing and those, those birds oh. were... 
there were some really funny outtakes of that when the, they just start gobbling and I would scream at the top of my lungs and jump out of frame. The turkeys and, are terrifying. They are a little terrifying, yeah. but yeah. That's so great. Don't yeah. just don't look at the cigarette. It's the cool. Yeah, that's what Betty Davis cool. always did. Just, just like, don't look at the cigarette. Yeah, and then it's just you'll you'll be cool, but just don't smoke. But also just don't smoke. Also just don't smoke. I love hearing how you you craft these little characters. You make these choices. Like you had to pick the brown cigarette and then that was the choice. That's the one that makes the most sense and that's part of the character. I felt very that that was what she would have smoked. And I don't think the real Lavana Harding smoked, but Stephen Ah. wanted her to smoke just so just to say that line on the rink where Diane, Julianne Nicholson's character says, you can't, you you can't, you're not allowed to smoke. And so Lavana says, oh, I'll just smoke it quietly then. Yeah. No, that it's was like the reason why here. Stephen wanted her to smoke. I'm like, God, I hope I, my lungs are okay after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, th- this is all really wonderful, and I thank you so much for joining us today. I usually close by asking for, like, what's your last-minute acting advice for the early career actor? You know who the backstage readers are. You know who our listeners are. Well, I'll tell you what helped me um, – what kept me going through all those times where I wasn't working mm-hmm. is to continue to, um, if you can, to take classes and and study, mm-hmm. um, whether go take an improv class, take a scene study class with someone, take a music appreciation class with, I don't know, take, mm. always keep yourself connected to other people who are, and keep studying and learning um, um, and, and, and also, Stephen Rogers' advice is: whenever you get to audition, remember this is um, you get to act today. Today, yeah. don't yeah. think of it as a you know awful thing. Just go in, <laughs> and and you get to act. And how yeah. lucky for you! How lucky for them that they get to see you act today yeah. with a real audience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the stakes are higher in a in an audition because there's something on the line, which I think ups your game, right? It does. And, Rather than and just... the more you can do exactly what you want to do and not what you think they want you to do, mm-hmm. the better. Mm-hmm. I made that mistake. I always tried to please and be do whatever sure. I think you, how do you want me to be? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Try to guess. instead, I just bring, the more you bring yourself to something, the more chances are you will be appreciated for that because sure. no one else is like you. So, sure. You know. If you had gone out for C.J. Craig as trying to be some other actress or imitate someone, then there's no way. No. No, I don't know what I did in, in that audition. <laughs> I always get, sometimes I get cast as those women who are kind of in charge of, and of, you know, like my first and present mm. laughter on Broadway, Liz Essendine mm. is in, in charge of, you know, um, Gary's uh, life and it's yes. all crazy and he's an actor who's absurd and childlike and she's got to keep the ship running smooth mm-hmm. and and she's the one who holds everything together the glue I always play those sorts those of roles uh, Lavana's not so much the glue but she tries to be in her own <laughs> I think she feels like she's trying to hold things together and Bonnie's together. I think glue in a way Bonnie is the matriarch is, is <laughs> I would not say Bonnie's the glue <laughs> no but she is um <laughs> She uh, she's a troublemaker. She's the she's heart of that show. She is though. heart, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does a lot of love, heart. but she just, girl, she's crazy. I she can't believe you're cry. still you're filming that in the in the in addition to doing this uh, full day of press. That you... That's how my year started out. I was yeah. I was shooting mom. I was rehearsing Six Degrees of Separation. Uh, I was flying to Atlanta to shoot I, Tanya. All at the same time, I was doing all that. I mean, uh, not obviously not at the same time, but, but yeah. I was not ever not doing one of those it's three a things. big year. It's it a big crazy. year. Well, I thank you so much for joining us You're on this so busy welcome. day. Well, I know that acting is is not easy. In fact, if there's anything we've learned on this podcast, it's that there's a lot of work that has to go into, a lot of very different kinds of work that has to go into it. Yeah. However, mm. talking to Alison Janney, there is something effortless about her, and there's something effortless about the process for her. Mm. And um, a lot of that just comes from the joy of the craft, and that really came through in this chat. Yeah. You know? Definitely. And uh, a number of people have said that to put out a good performance, you have to have that sort of element of feeling relaxed and being mm-hmm. comfortable in your own skin and, mm. you know, in front of the camera, but also in person, I think, you mm. know, you're relaxing the people that are around you, your yes. co-stars and mm-hmm. putting everyone at ease. And 
I felt like that around her. Totally. And I felt like she gave that vibe. Yeah, well, and, and as we're learning, so much of it is about listening, as she said. And mm. people who are good listeners in life are naturally very good at sharing, at sharing scenes. Yeah. Even if it is with a scene partner like a bird, for example. <laughs> Yeah. Well, she was very good at acting, <laughs> not being freaked out by it. <laughs> exactly. I loved hearing that that's one of her favorite scene partners. Yeah. She's had many. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Allison. Yes. Uh, and I would say best of luck going forward with mm. all of these many award shows. But awards just are rightfully thrown, at, thrown her way. Yeah. <laughs> I will say... One thing about this interview that we did not manage to capture on the microphones because she said it on the elevator coming up was that she was thinking about possibly fusing all of her Emmys together and to make a table, to make a (laughs) piece of furniture in some way. But she was worried about saying that because she doesn't want to offend anyone and, of course, appear ungrateful or anything. But she has reached a point as an illustrious actor where... She must have a shelf or a room at oh, least. Oh, she's going to have to get a new shelf. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's it's a funny problem. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> have too many awards. You know, she's she's a very funny person. Yeah. And yeah. I know the tongue yeah. was very much in her cheek when she said that. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and infectiously so. She's yeah. really, really enthusiastic and, and just lovely. So, well, shall we roll credits? I think so. In the Envelope is recorded at Lotus Productions, Hyperbolic Audio, and Big Yellow Duck in New York City. Thanks, as always, to producer, editor, and all-around podcast wizard, Jamie Muffet. You can follow him on Twitter, at JamieMusicNYC. You can follow me, Jack Smart, on Twitter, at JackSmartWrites. Thank you, of course, to the team at Backstage, the most trusted name in casting for over 50 years, Peter Rappaport, Mark Stinson, Francis Ramos, Rowan Alkatib, and especially the phenomenal Casey Howe, For more awards and industry coverage, head over to Backstage.com. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another glimpse in the envelope.